Welcome to another episode of In the Art Scene. It's episode number 10 in season one. And we have a different kind of guest today from our normal guest. I guess there's no such thing as normal on this show, but you're in for a different experience. Galena, you want to say something more about this? Yeah. Well, first of all, the whole experience of recording from the beginning was kind of weird. And I guess Tara would say everything about herself is weird and strange. So starting with the fact that I slept in and my calendar reminder did not work. And I realized that I'm late for the recording by an hour. And she prepared to open up with such a vulnerable story. And that was the first time she was telling her story in public. And she literally cleared the room, uh, kicked everybody out of the house. And for the entire hour, waiting for me, collecting the anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) So you prolonged her agony for a whole hour, huh? I felt so bad. I felt so bad. But... She was so nice about it and she was still willing to to do it with me and I don't know how many times I was swallowing the tears listening to her and she wasn't even swallowing her tears. This is an emotional roller coaster. She is an amazing artist. Uh, She's a very surrealist artist and in the way she reminds me of my personal favorite Salvador Dali who inspires me ever since I was a child. And this art, the practice, literally saved her life. I mean, literally, it's not even a metaphor. Yeah, and- when when you hear her backstory, you'll see what Galena's talking about. And she's come from the depths of despair and challenge to rise above and overcome incredible circumstances to get where she is. And she could not have done it without her art. Well, uh, let's do no more spoilers and let our listeners meet Tara. Yep, we're gonna meet Tara Dunbar, AKA Tara Strange. So let's get into it. So how are you this morning? Hi. I'm good. good. How, how did we start this out? Just introduce yourself uh, for the audience and and we will jump right into your story because your story is something incredible. I, I haven't heard it, the, the whole thing yet. So I am really looking forward to it. That that's uh, I feel like my my mind is going to be blown away. Some of it, some of it, I'll probably have to shift around a little, leave parts out just because of, of the, the, the second situation, but that would be a good for a part two, <laughs> you know, whatever's comfortable for you to once I wasn't, uh, under the state's authority per se for a probation. So, yeah. Um, but my name, uh, my name is Tara Dunbar and I want to say thank you for having me to your show, Galena. Um, I'm very inspired by all of the others that have done this before me. And I want you to, to know it, it's a little harder uh, probably for artists to do than, than maybe for most people. I don't know. Uh, I guess sharing my art is like sharing a piece of me. So then going uh, verbal and visual with myself, that's a whole nother part. So and I'm trying to get to where I'm talking a little bit and even adding some rhyming and getting my words out there. Maybe eventually post some of my thoughts, my actual thoughts. But I do love showing my art. 
it does make me happy that it makes other people happy. I don't know why they are so happy, but they love it. <laughs> so I keep well, putting it out. Um, that's because your art is very personal and it feels like it's very personal. Yeah. And I, and I told you before that uh, your art reminds me of Salvador Dali, who, who's been the huge influence for me ever since I was a kid. And the first time acquired the, I think my mom brought home a book like a, an album of his art and I was just hypnotized and I, I I had this feeling that I want to learn more about this person because there's no way it's not like you know your regular flowers right that person has something so deep and interesting to say that it's transformed in those unusual paintings and I, I always felt like I, I really need to get to the bottom of it. And, and whenever I see your paintings, I, I feel the same way. I feel like it's so personal and so deep. It's, it, it says maybe more than words, actually. I feel like um, sometimes the painting is already painted before I paint it. So it's, it's a strange pull, the artist. And then once I start it, I, I'll be very connected to it until I'm finished with it. And uh, a lot of times it's an emotion that I've seen somewhere in the world or in my own life or the grocery store or um, maybe even road rage and traffic. And I'll just try to capture it and kind of pull the emotion through the eyes mostly. Um, sometimes those ones are so intense that I enjoy doing the landscapes and the seascapes and the beachscapes and stuff just to kind of do something a little more, you know, uppity. But yeah, I, I really enjoy the emotion that somehow comes out of it. I don't know really how, how exactly it does, but it does somehow. <laughs> so have you been creative all your life or how? How did you start painting? Um, I, I believe with me, it started out uh, spending some time with a, an older cousin who was into just coloring and drawing. And she was about eight years older than me. And uh, I looked up to her a lot. Actually, it was my, my aunt. And um, I think that's where it started was watching her, uh, watching her outline and coloring books even was interesting to me was building onto something that was already there. And I think that when I look back on it, that is where the mixed media must have stemmed from was automatically, if you trace over the top of something else, you know, that's already dark, you get a shadow. And so I think my brain just kind of grasped onto that. And I was one of the kids that you could stick in a corner with a coloring book and I would sit there for a long time. <laughs> now I have a little niece that does the same thing, which is funny to watch her because I kind of wonder what she'll do. Her mother's an artist too, so my sister. I admire a lot of artists. You talked about Salvador Dali, um, but there are some some women artists. And if it wasn't, I don't know if I'll pronounce this right, but Artemisia. Artemisia. Yes, the the royal collection. I my lingo is yeah. terrible, but um, her royal collection is inspiring oppression for women has been hard, you know, and uh, it's hard to just be a female period. I think, um, in general, none of us were, none of us raised our hand and said, I want to be born. You know, we were all just born. 
So that's true. Um, we do the best we can. But for women back then, for artists back then, it was hard. And um, her expressive self, thank goodness, started started a giant movement over in Florence, Italy. Along with also, I want to mention Mary Shelley, um, a writer who who couldn't even claim her own work, um, had to be recognized under her husband's name. And thank goodness for his love and loyalty to her, decided to take it above himself and and turn over the works entirely and give her entire credit. And if it wasn't for that, a lot of things wouldn't have changed for women's recognition in art too. So as far as talking about some of the people that influenced me, those are some of the people that I think about or maybe I admire, you know, and appreciate. There's a lot more, but <laughs> uh, I don't so know. How did, you, how did you start making your strange art? Um, really, I, I kind of had to have other jobs in my life, but um, I always fell back on art as something to do. However, I did go through a spell in my life where I had started drinking. I was working at a job, you know, where there was alcohol around all the time and it, it was basically free for the females. And I found myself basically addicted to alcohol. And for about 10 years, um, I did not create art. It was sad. And I'm so glad that I got sober and got that back, you know, because I think that was a true prison. Not only did I get in trouble for drinking and driving with the alcohol and hurting other people, I also lost my art, which was sad. Yeah, it is sad. You know, so maybe it is a part of you. And so maybe a part of you dies if you allow it, you know, and but but I have rebuilt. <laughs> I have rebuilt. I have a lot of tools and I work really hard. I've taken a lot of classes and studied, have a lot of friends. I have a lot of groups. Actually, I'm I'm getting ready to start my own my group, a group for uh let's say artists who are in recovery, who want to reach out to other people who still have not quite gotten there. And so I'm not really sure what I'm going to call it, but um, I'm pretty sure it's like an each one teach one really. Um, basically, if you're, if you're still actively using, I wouldn't be able to help, but I would be able to help somebody who has found some sobriety in their lives and really want to give it away in order to keep it. And I really love my recovery and I've been sober for 13 years and I'm really strong in it. And so if I feel sometimes threatened in that, I do push people away who may drag me down or make me unhappy. And I have to do this in order to keep my sobriety. Sobriety is something that a person really has to dedicate. And my art keeps me there. But I do believe that for a person like me, um, I, I'm very quiet and kind of to myself. So I have to force myself out into the realm and to tell my story again and again. Otherwise, I, I, I remain stuck. And so for me to talk to you like this, 
is really huge for me yeah, and probably huge. for my family and my this friends. This is so emotional for you. If you, if you need to take it a minute, really is, if you need to take a minute really. and kind of take a few deep breaths, you can, you can <laughs> it. it really is. But I, this is what my art is, you know, and when it disappeared, I knew that that was a part of me and without it, I'm not really full. So, um, you know, like I said, sometimes the, the design is already painted before I paint it. And it really is my job just to kind of do something beautiful and give it away to the world. And, and that's really all I try to do. And, um, I'm, I'm thankful for all the people that have pushed me. My art used to be under my bed and stuffed away in closets. And uh, it, it, it took me a long time to uh, get it all out and decide to show it. I had like 25 years worth of it piled, you know, it's kind of sad, really. And so uh, one day something just came over the meeting and told me, he said, why are you being selfish? Why don't you show it? Just show it. So I had talked to a few people about Instagram. They said that would be a good way. Be a really good way to show it to the world. So uh, I finally got an iPad and um, started taking pictures. And if you look at some of my first ones, they're awful. I didn't know how to hashtag. Um, I was a pain in people's rear because I was putting way too many on it in a day, sometimes three, four a day. <laughs> I got unfollowed by a lot of people probably for that stuff. I, but I was determined to get it on there before something happened to it, a fire, anything. So I'm just so happy, you know, that I did. And uh, something tells me just to keep doing it. You know, sometimes I meet people. Sometimes uh Somebody tells me that I helped them. Can you share any of those stories? Um, I've, I've had a lot of young people say that I've helped them. Um, not only in my community, not only my own child, but uh, kids on Instagram, people in the community that wanted to see change. There's a lot of hatred toward me. But there's a lot of love too, and uh, I, I I I am a two-time felon, and I struggle with being accepted. I always have anyway. So I grew up on a farm out in the middle of nowhere, pretty much. My parents um, they trained horses, and so uh, my brother and I we were about four years apart. We spent a lot of time growing up on the farm, had ponies and things. So later in life, my mom had two more kids. Um, I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but I kind of became kind of a mother to my younger sisters. And so I decided to wait till I was older to have kids. And so I, I think I was kind of reckless with my life and just made some bad decisions, really, you know, by not wanting to be tied down. And it just caught up with me. And I think that I should have really thought about things before I did them. And I, I didn't, I didn't want to harm the community, you know? And uh, at some point I may talk about 
my actual felonies, but I don't think I can actually talk about it. That's the problem. I'm getting upset a little about it for some reason. (laughs) That's okay. Well, we can talk about your idea of creating that group to help artists in recovery, because I think this is a wonderful idea. And um, I know uh, by experience that who whoever has come through the difficult times has the most ability to help other people like you did. Yeah, I, I, I've had a couple kids come to me and talk to me uh, about suicide or uh, cutting themselves and different things. and. Um, I will go out of my way to try to touch base and relate with these kids. And, you know, um, I'm not a professional by far, but I've been through hell and I've felt the same way. So I just give them advice on maybe putting their heart into a, an art project or maybe going and getting a tattoo in the spot where they used to do that on their arm to put artwork there instead. Because I do understand that. And so if that helps the kids, that's, you know, anything I can do to help them, you know, anything. Do you teach? I don't. I don't. I am a lot of things. (laughs) Uh, I am a licensed Missouri cosmetologist. I'm a dog groomer, a dog mom, a horse mom, a kid mom. (laughs) I paint, I draw, I sew, I read, I dance, I pray. I refurbish, refurbish furniture. I have three dogs. I landscape. I plant trees. I go fishing. I, I go boating. I go kayaking. And I ride horses. <laughs> I can't think of anything else right now, but I do do a lot. I, I think that if you could teach those young young boys, young guys, whatever, young people who come to you for help and you feel like art could help them, maybe you could maybe you could teach them some art techniques and really turn their hearts toward expressing whatever pain they have inside into art. Because it, you know how much it helped you. Maybe it will help them in the same way. Yes, yes. Anytime that that I can donate art supplies or or markers or notepads or anything to kids that I just see randomly or can like if I run into uh, kids and I've got notebooks or or markers with me, I'll I'll just give them to them, you know, because you never know what what that's going to do. It might change someone's life, you know, just having some art supplies or something to uh, or someone interested in, in what they what they're doing or what their thoughts are, even if it's just for five minutes, you know, and say, Hey, you know, I'm glad you like my art, but I bet you could make something too. And they'll say, Oh, you know, no. And I'll say, yeah, it doesn't matter if you think it looks good. You know, somebody else might like it. So just do it anyways. And I just encourage the kids to make art, whether, whether they think it's good or not, because somebody's going to think it's good. And, there's a chance they might end up liking it too, you know? Yeah. I also wanted to ask you, you mentioned that the the painting is already painted in your head before you start doing it. 
Can you describe how how do you get those visions and and what do they tell you? Because they are absolutely uh, they are like from from the different world. Your prayer uh, is is the one that I, I just I close my eyes and I I keep seeing this figure, and it tells so much. I mean, I I really wish to see it sometime in person to study it better because Instagram is still, you know, a, a little tiny screen and I I am drawn to it, but it's really hard to study the whole thing. Yeah, you know, that one, that's based off, you know, the statues and stuff. That's not a complete original idea, but when you feel the world's pain and you know that there's people starving themselves just to have a say or a word in their government, it's sad. And uh, it puts heavy, heavy burden on me. And I, I really, I love that painting too. I love that painting too. I, I think you would love to see it in, in real life. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy how the colors are almost too bright, almost unacceptable, but then they're just right. You know, that's things like that. I don't, I'm not really sure either, but it, it did pop. <laughs> It did yeah. pop. I liked. I, I was very pleased with that one. It's hard for me to say that I would sell them too. I have problems um, letting go of them of my originals, real bad. <laughs> have you tried to make prints of them? Um, now that I've gotten a few sites kind of set up for myself, I am thinking about getting some prints made. Actually and offering them on my Etsy site. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I, I should think take a vote on who, you know, which ones their favorite ones are. Some are just, just ask a few people which ones I should get prints made of. That would be a good idea. Uh, when I was talking to Kibi, she said pretty much the same thing, that it's so difficult for her. She's, she's got no room to store any more canvases and she needs to make more room and get get rid of them but it's it's really hard for her because every single one of them represents some you know the a few steps of growth and a very uh, intense emotion that she went through and and I yeah. totally understand that I totally understand that I, I get attached to uh, some of like I, I make some pieces just because uh, I don't know I'm, I'm drawn to the color like I'm making those orange cactus and stuff right now and it's just because you know orange is pleasing my eye right now but there are others that have deeper meanings and at times i'm just not showing them anywhere because they're they have they have more meaning to me and i'm attached to them and i'm just keeping them for myself man they i love your cacti (laughs) i'm going to tell you that i love your cacti they are beautiful um when I look at it, the leathery, rustic look that you throw up there is just so comforting and appealing. And then the first time that I listened to your podcast and I heard your voice, I was like, no way. She's perfect to talk to. You, you have the greatest <laughs> voice. And so for you to start a podcast like this, I mean, just wonderful wonderful you're easy to talk to you're doing something great for people you're bringing artists together you're you're allowing a a road to be paved for artists to come forward and talk and some of it's going to be hard for some of these girls 
and some of these men or people that you have on here um, to share, but to, you know, to really be honest and to really talk about why you do art and what inspires you, you know, it takes a lot out of a person to share not only their art with people, but then also their personal story. So. Well, thank you for such kind words. <laughs> really. Yeah, I, I love, your, love your paintings. Oh, thank you. I, I really do hope that this podcast will, will help someone just, just like, just like you said that even if for 30 minutes, someone will take their heads off something hard and difficult and, and will have a chance to realize that they're not alone in the world. And it, selfishly it gives me a lot of chance to meet so many interesting people and somehow you know although all the stories that i've heard so far are so so different somehow they're all connected and yeah i think this is just this is just beautiful and you're right that for artists it's not always easy to talk about their stories because especially if if your art is very emotional it's not really easy to go public and and really put words onto something that uh, is a heavy weight. I got my passion back for art probably after I stopped drinking and had slowly lost the urge to create over that 10 year period. And that was sad. And overall art saved me. And, uh, so some people write, you know, some people write, some people sing, I can't sing. <laughs> so, um, I'm glad I've got art today. I choose to do what I love. I love doing it. It makes me happy. I feel like it is a type of self-care. It's not selfish because it is an art. If I could play the guitar, I'd probably do that or, you know, something. You got to have some kind of something going on that pulls you, that, that you love. And uh, I love to exercise too, don't get me wrong, but you got to have that equal balance. You got to have your physical in sync with your mental. And it's very important for me to get my exercise too, so self-care is important and I feel like God kind of gave me that that's kind of my gift you know so he must have loved me enough to give it to me so I better use it well I have a chance before my arthritic hands <laughs> curl up I've got pretty bad arthritis already so oh, sorry yeah so how did that happen exactly how did you rediscover the art for yourself I'd say um completely getting sober and having my mind 100% and feeling like something was missing. And the minute the pencil was in my hand and the paper was in front of me, it all came back. I mean, it was <laughs> here I was, you know, just day after day, uh, just drawing, you know, typing papers, stacks of, of it to, to get myself through because I, I ended up having to do prison time over my first felony. And I was in there for a long time. And uh, that's where I, it helped me. You know, I even had girls in there tell me, art is going to, you're going to draw your way right out of here, Tara, <laughs> they would say. 
and uh, I'd make birthday cards and and cards for people to send to their kids. And, you know, I helped anywhere I could, even though I was in there, you know, just with the art. So definitely is a gift. So how is that? Uh, I'm curious a little bit about that experience of making art uh, behind the bars. Was it was it uh, easy uh, to get art supplies, pencils and, and paper? And uh, I can't even imagine how would that be? Like, do you have like a spare time to do that? A place like an art room? No, <laughs> no, it's nothing no. like that. Um, you, you know, basically you're allowed to buy notebook paper or typing paper um, and pencils. Anything else you have to special order. So, um, and you also have to wait a, quite a while before you're even allowed to, to do stuff like that. So you work your way up to it, which is fine. And I understood that. But the hard part is, is it does cost quite a bit of money, you know, to order when you're in there like that. So I was able to get um, pads of paper and different markers and pencils and things, but I kind of felt bad because some of the other ones around didn't have those, you know, um, it's hard to be in a place like that and not have supplies and see others without supplies too. I mean, it was hard and you're not supposed to share. They call that contraband if you do. So, so I guess I did some contraband while I was in there. You know, I, I, uh, just spread the art everywhere, everywhere I could. <laughs> and uh, I had a lot, there was, a, there were artists in there who, I, I'm calling them artists. These are girls who, who will never go home and they're still there. And they had pencils and things and shared with me and shared stories with me. Um, art, art introduced me to all kinds of people from all over the world already and still does. It really is amazing. It really is what it can do. It yeah, really pulls people together from all races, all colors, everybody, diversities. Doesn't matter who you are. Art is for everyone. Art loves you. <laughs> that should be what it's called. <laughs> you and, know. And did you really draw your your way out of there? I I think I kind of did in a way because not only did I draw my way out, but I left the bad parts behind and kept the good parts. So the drawing was the good part, the bad habits, the mistake making, you know, all that you try to leave behind. Those are the bad parts. Well, thank you. Thank you so, so much for being open and emotional. I, I really, um, I kind of, well, first of all, I'm so sorry that uh, I was late by an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and I really, when we were texting each other, I really felt like you you were ready for this. And I, I did not expect you to be so so emotional, so vulnerable about that. Yeah, I was kind really... of nervous. <laughs> pretty nervous, pretty. Uh, uh, really felt like I was petting myself out, you know, out of here on a limb. You can always get knocked off easy when you're on a limb, Galena. <laughs> oh. I want to say something though about color. Uh -huh. um, I think I think that color is just as important as air. I believe that it can heal. Visual art can heal. 
It can soothe. It can soothe a person just like reading books. And it can take you right into its story. And I just want to say what we were talking about earlier is uh, the prison and being on the inside. There is no color in there. They take all color from you. They strip it from you. And that was one of the saddest things in there. And I think it would be good for states to promote having a room of color or something for, for people to go visit, at least, you know, often, because it is sad having no color. Yeah, it is sad. I cannot imagine that. Yeah. I cannot imagine. That was, that was one of the saddest things probably about that experience. Do you have anything else in your notes that you really wanted to share? I, I think I think I have a little bit of post-traumatic stress from being in prison. And I painted the inside of my house is all different colored walls. <laughs> and someday I may take a video or something and show people what I did to my house when I got home. <laughs> it looks kind of cool. But uh, I refuse to have bland now. You know, I, no more bland. My world is color. <laughs> It makes me happy. It makes people happy. And uh, no more bland for me, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to ask you if you, so you have, I hope that our audience will grow uh, fairly quickly, but either way, this podcast is going to stay online forever. And uh, it is a chance for you to send a message to whoever you want to send a message to. So what would you say uh, to encourage or inspire people you want to inspire? Mm. Take time to get to know yourself. Um, always be open-minded. Always love yourself. Listen to your heart. Um, do what you love. Don't listen to the naysayers because it is okay to dream. And adventure. Always find adventure, even if it's just in your backyard. Um, insects, to me, are alien. I find an adventure anywhere. So just keep on the journey. Keep going. Don't ever stop. That's great advice. Thank you. I might say something about my family, maybe. Um, sure, sure, of course. I'll say uh, I love to create art. Um, I call it art with a strange twist. I'm from the Kansas City area, and my family is very important to me. I open my ears and my hearts to other artists and people and I try to witness my sobriety to them and I do this for my family so that hopefully I can make amends and maybe they can all forgive me thank you for maybe sharing. that can be heard by my family I got some family that are mad at me so well let's make sure they will hear this podcast <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Galena. This was pretty intense for me. So, 
I, I understand. And I actually want to ask you, I mean, this is all raw and real. And uh, I think that we had a, a really great conversation. And I think that uh, your emotions will touch a lot of people. I can come back and always add add more to the story once I'm off probation for the, that second felony. But I have to be really careful. I don't want the state of Missouri saying, hey, technically, you don't have a right to be talking about that stuff right now. I don't know how that works, but just in case. So, you know, I can always come back and come back and finish the story on down the road. <laughs> There's going to be more to this story, I promise. <laughs> My poor son. I've got an 18 year old that's hooked on. Well, he he's on and off of meth and oh. he he got on this meth because when I was in prison for the car accident that I had, I was away from him and he got out on the street, basically ran the streets. His, and when I got out of prison, his grandparents, they weren't my parents. It was my in-laws had him. I was letting him stay there. And he, um, he ended up running the streets and getting hooked on that. And then when I got out, they wouldn't give him back to me basically and kept him hid from me for another couple of years while he just kept getting older and more into more trouble. Well, the first time he used meth, he, my son told me he was 12 years old. Oh my gosh. You know, here I was in prison. And so this has been hard, you know, it's hard and he's just now 18 and we're still working through it. Um, and he looks pretty good. He's pretty healthy right now, but it has been rough for four years. So sometimes I'm a little short fused and sometimes I'm a little, you know, think my time's a little more important than other people, but it's just because of this constant shit. <laughs> that i've been through oh. that's why i seem so crazy i'm so sorry you're not crazy you seem like a person who who who's had a lot of difficult times and they're still working through more difficult times and uh i i can tell you that uh if anything else you seem pretty strong and determined and and i do I do feel like you being vulnerable and open about this is the site of your strength. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate I, that. Yeah. I really do. And I know that you will get on the other side and you and your son will be completely happy and all of that will be behind you. And I and other artists in, in our Instagram group and, and artists who will inevitably uh, concentrate around you because you inspire so many people will help you and support you. Yeah. With that. I mean, this, this is a war against drugs, Galena, you know, methamphetamine kills people. It, yeah. it does terrible things to people. And, uh, I was an alcoholic. And so I've never had an experience with what my son is going through. I, you know, it, it was, a, it's a terrible thing to see happen to a child and other young kids his age and uh i made a mistake you know i tried i did i did ask the law to help me but i got too close to the person that was causing the problems and something happened and i got in trouble you know i defended myself and i got in trouble and uh, it was a you know quite a situation i can't really talk about that yet but i will and you know, my son, he was being poisoned by a person by with meth for years and nobody would do anything. So uh, 
that's where I'm at today with that. But I am, I am a good, strong, happy person. I run a, I run a household. <laughs> I keep it together. I work a few jobs, you know, I take care of a guy that has a Parkinson's, Parkinson's disease. Um, I've done that for 10 years. I do that once a week. It's fun. He's a good person. So, uh, all right. Well, I guess I'll let you go. I'll let you pilfer through it. See if you can find anything to build from. <laughs> no, this has been an amazing conversation. Truly. Honestly. Um, Thank you so you much. Know, I, and, and I don't think I'm going to listen to it. I think I'm going to let you, and you know, this one might be kind of weird. This one might take you a little longer to edit. I'm hoping than some of them. So pilfer through it, build up a nice one that I'm not ashamed of. And I won't pre-listen to it. I'll just, I'll trust you. Okay. 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 I've trusted you from now on, from here on forward. I won't let you but know. I, but I, I know that my voice sounds cracky and stuff when I start crying, it's hard, you know, but we, we got to get the stories out there. Yeah. I feel like we're in a good place to wrap this up and I really, really hope for us to meet again on this show and, and bring you for the part two. All right. Well, it was well, nice talking you. to you. Yeah, it was tell really nice talking to you. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell my husband you said hi. I ran, I ran my husband off. I said, you have to leave. Yeah. <laughs> I can't didn't be say. here. <laughs> I, I told everybody, everybody, I turned my phones off. I said, leave. I have to have this for a minute. And then you, then you slept in. <laughs> so sorry I love for that. It. it will make me remember this always. It's so funny. All right. Thank you All so right. much. Thank All right. Well, so I'm excited for doing I'm this. I'm excited to see some more cacti out of you too. You need to get busy. <laughs> All right, I'll see you later, Galena. All right, see you later. Bye. All right, bye. Wow. Isn't she brave? I mean, you need to have guts to really spend a whole hour talking about so emotional things. I think she's really brave. Well, not just talking with you, but she's talking to all our listeners now it's out there on the internet everybody can hear this story the best part about this she made herself vulnerable with something deeply personal and painful but she serves as a role model for anyone who has gone through hard times and there's hope for everybody there's a path forward for everybody and actually, after we recorded this interview, I made a connection for her with a nonprofit here in San Diego, but they work pretty much with artists everywhere. It's called Prison Arts Collective, who during COVID time started their own podcast and they record the interviews with people like Tara who were on the inside and found the art and what it did to their lives. So. Tara did uh, another interview with them, and we will leave the link to that podcast in our show, show notes because uh, it, it's a little bit of a different angle, and uh, she's a little bit more contained telling that story. So you are up for another treat. Go and listen to that. I have another thing to say. It's been a while since we recorded that conversation with Tara, and now she's doing something very amazing, very interesting. Uh, she started an initiative uh, called Reach One. 
just like she entertained that idea when we were talking uh, and now she's actually doing it. She is reaching out to teenagers who are going through rough times or having a difficult family situations or are suicidal. And I believe now she's also reaching out to women and women's shelter and donating them art supplies. It's not an official nonprofit just yet, but there is a small group of supporters on Instagram who are helping Tara do that. And she spends her own money on that and people are donating. Everything goes toward art supplies. So if you want to be involved and help uh, in any way, I think the best way would be to reach Tara directly on Instagram and let her know that you want to help. And as usual, all the links will be on show notes and in the adjacent blog post. So as always, make sure to visit us at intheartscene.com. See Tara's story, see the accompanying blog post, see the accompanying links, and see all the rest of our blog posts because we are amassing quite a collection and we're getting ready. We're already planning season two, so lots of good stuff is coming. We're slowly, slowly growing our audience and we have a core of, of loyal, steady listeners now and it's only growing. So share this with your artist friends or people that just love art and we'll keep growing this community of artists and art lovers, helping each other, supporting each other and sharing our stories. Yeah, we're doing it only because of you guys. Yep. Well, with that, I think it's time to end this episode. And so, as we always say, we'll see you in, in the, the art scene. scene. Okay. <laughs> blooper, blooper. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.